0: I'm Ryan Young, but not the only one. Not by a long shot, in fact. Have you ever Googled your own name? Unless your name is unique, like my childhood best friend, Channing Wankier, you'd probably find many people who share your name. So that got me thinking what if I reached out to other Ryan Youngs, people that I've never met? and interviewed them. What would I find? What similarities would we share? What new and interesting things would I learn about other Ryan Youngs, with whom, on the surface at least, I have nothing in common, except the same name? Let's find out. Welcome to Season 2 of Who is Ryan Young? When I started this quirky project, I really only anticipated that it would go for one season, with ten or maybe a dozen episodes. But at the conclusion of the first 10, when I was struggling to find new guests, and I called it a wrap, I had a number of people reach out to me and say, you need to find more Ryan Youngs. This project is really cool. And so that encouraged me. And of course, I think it's cool, because I'm Ryan Young. But hearing from others who thought that this was also a pretty cool idea, and after taking a little time off, Well, we're back, and I have found some new and amazing Ryan Youngs out there, and I've started talking to them. And just like in Season 1, these Ryan Youngs too have an amazing story to tell. It's just so interesting what you can learn about someone just from asking them questions and just from listening to their answers. So let's kick off Season 2 of Who is Ryan Young? This is Episode 1, The Fiddler. And interestingly, I interviewed a fiddler in season one as well. That fiddler from Minnesota had an incredible life story to share. And this new fiddler from Scotland has another great life story to share. Who would have thought that I'd interview two Ryan Youngs that are both fiddlers for this series? Not me, but here we are. Let's get started. Welcome to the podcast,
1: Ryan. Oh, oh, thank you for having me.
0: So give us the the elevator pitch version of, of course, the podcast is called Who is Ryan Young? Tell us who is this particular Ryan Young.
1: <laughs> um, well, my name's Ryan Young, and I'm, I'm from Scotland. I'm very near Loch Lomond, where I am. It's a little village called Cardress, and um, I'm a traditional fiddle player. That's, that's me.
0: and and Loch Lomond so I've been to Scotland just once we spent um, a few days in Edinburgh and then we went to the west coast near Oban and stayed in a place for about a week which was just beyond beautiful but where is Loch Lomond relative to either of those two places?
1: Um, It's about 20 or so miles kind of northwest of Glasgow so it's not too far from Glasgow Okay, um, the, the the village I'm from, Cardross, that's actually within the same kind of council area as Oban. It's a place called Argyll Butte. So, okay. And you you live there now, as well as you grew up there too. Um, yes. So I kind of been in Cardris my whole life. Um, not straight far away.
0: <laughs> okay. And, and and let's talk about your fiddle playing. So you said a traditional fiddle player. What does that mean exactly? When you add traditional there,
1: um. Well, it's really just dist- because I I play Scottish and Irish music on my fiddle rather than kind of classical music. Um, okay, like like that, that's the biggest asked question. If you play the violin, what is the difference between a fiddle and a violin? And it's there's no difference. It's just the music that's played on it. So uh, I'm a traditional fiddle player rather than a classical violinist. That's why I'd say.
0: And and <laughs> how long have you been playing the fiddle or the violin? Um, I've been playing. 21 years
1: now i think
0: wow and and remind me again how old you are um so i'm 30. okay so you started quite young <laughs> yeah and uh been doing it basically your whole life
1: yeah it's gonna it's been like the constant thing in my life really is playing the fiddle Um, like when i, I was very young like very very young i didn't tend to speak very much um and i'm I heard Ali Bain, who's a famous Scottish fiddle player, playing the fiddle, and I loved this idea that this instrument kind of spoke on his behalf. So I was kind of like, well, that looks like a good thing. I could just get this box to speak for me and I won't need to speak. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I love that, that you found
0: your voice through the instrument.
1: Yeah, so I, I do feel that. I feel that I, I speak to people when I play. is And like I feel more comfortable letting the fiddle speak than me speaking
0: <laughs> okay and and is that why also you like the traditional music
1: um yeah i think so um cuz it's is traditional music is um is simple music it's not like you, there are tricky tunes for sure but it isn't like the same as a symphony there's like it's very easy to kind of learn a tune in your head if you've never heard it before and you could be humming it again the next day whereas you might not be able to hum a symphony after you've heard it sort of thing so, right. <laughs> so I feel it kind of goes straight into people's kind of like hearts sort of thing and it's like it's just this very relatable thing um, and that's what I love about it it's just it's very easy to relate to
0: and and I guess it's very personal to you I mean you you're Scottish and you play Scottish music and there's must be you know a sense of pride and and of of home, even about that music for you.
1: Um, there is, um, there, there definitely is. I, I do. I'm very proud of Scottish music, and I would be biased and say I think it's some of the best music there is. These very old tunes that are still being dug up and played and things. But I, I would say I kind of play. I play Scottish music in a very Irish influenced way. um, Because where I'm from in Cardress, there wouldn't be a kind of fiddle tradition or a a style of traditional music or anything like that. Um, So I was looking for tunes and books and given recordings of Irish fiddle players. And I was having to then take these tunes and interpret them in the way these Irish players did. Um, But I had no idea there was a difference. I just knew it was the same instrument playing music, (laughs) really. And what would be the difference
0: then between, for, for a complete novice like me who who could probably tell that it was one or the other, but what, what would the differences in the music be between the Irish and the Scottish?
1: Um, well, a good kind of metaphor people like to use is if you think of the hills. So Irish music tends to have this kind of rolling hills feel to it, whereas okay. Scotland has these like jagged mountains, so it has a more kind of jaggedness to it.
0: Well, and if I could be so bold, that is a little bit like an American's view of the Irish versus Scottish accent in English.
1: Yes, yeah. So I think I, it's a lovely thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I think so too. And I've had the chance to to visit Ireland as well. I do some photography um, uh, for fun, and I lived in Europe in the Netherlands for four years, and so we did quite some travel, and um, and in in going to both those places, both beautiful, wonderful, green, lush natural very raw places um but there is a difference in dialects and and what you're saying with, with the music absolutely mirrors that i find that very interesting
1: yeah and um it's, it's great because there's a lot of kind of shared tunes between scotland and ireland and um, they just have different names and um, i actually goes as far as appalachia appalachia Appalachia. Um, yeah, and either um, way yeah so i'm um, like they have lots of tunes they play over there which I know, I know that as the Scottish tune, then there'll be someone in Ireland who's like, well, I know that as an Irish tune, actually. But so it's like this this tune that's just interpreted with different accents, really, like you said.
0: Well, let's take a listen to some samples of Ryan's music. This is a set of three reels from his debut album, and it includes a traditional reel, Smiling Katie, and the White Houses of Shieldig." This is accompanied by James Ross on piano, and Leo Ford on guitar. Thank you. um you play this this uh traditional music does that mean that that you
1: play alone or are you part of a, a group large or small um well I, I tend to play with guitarists so it's gonna just just fiddle on guitar so I, i'd be playing the tunes and then the guitarist is uh, accompanying the tunes and but um like i tend to think of it as the tune is the thing and um the best thing I can do is to get out of the way of this tune because the tunes are so lovely in themselves and like the mission is really, I don't want to mess this thing up. And if I just let it do what it wants to do, then that's going to be good experience for everyone.
0: (laughs) Okay. And you perform a lot and all over, right? Tell us a little bit about, uh, about that.
1: Um, Yes, yeah, so um, I've been kind of playing. I was playing a lot before COVID times. Um, so I was I was doing tours of Germany and France and then um, all over the UK and bits of Ireland and over to Belgium and places like that. And then um, I was due to go to Switzerland and Sweden. And um a huge ambition of mine is actually to play in North America. And um, through lockdown, I took part in something called Focal Lines. Um, which is a big kind of what's the word? Um, conference. It's a big kind of folk music conference, and um, I have managed to hook up with an American agent who's going to help me get gigs in Canada and the States. So um, that was kind of a bit of a detour of your question there, but it's no,
0: no, it's it's very interesting. How long have you been? When did you tour for the first time, or when did you perform? I mean, I imagine it's like anyone you start performing, you know, you start playing at age nine and you get good enough that you perform for your family and then you eventually get bigger and bigger and bigger. Where's the first significant performance that you remember thinking this is both amazing and maybe a little scary and and here we go?
1: <laughs> um, I'd, I'd say I feel that about all of them. <laughs> Every time I play the fiddle, I feel this is a bit scary, <laughs> but um Like, the very first kind of music performances I was given, um, there are these kind of highland gatherings that happen in the central belt of Scotland, so kind of Glasgow to Edinburgh. And it's all the kind of islanders from, like, Nile of Skye or Lewis or Isla or places like that. People that have come to live down this end, they would meet up and they'd all kind of sing songs and they'd have a piper and then perhaps a fiddle player. And um, when I was very young, I was kind of invited along to kind of play some tunes because they're just lovely people that wanted to give me a platform to kind of play and encourage me. And I might kind of learn some new tunes from hearing others there and stuff. So that was kind of my big first opportunity.
0: That's wonderful. I know Isla, of course, because of the scotch. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so, what would you say is the biggest venue you've performed at then? Um,
1: well, there, there's a very famous kind of singer from Scotland you might have heard of called Paolo Nutini.
0: Um, okay.
1: Um, and um, then there's a man called Phil Cunningham, who's kind of like a Scottish folk music legend who plays the accordion. And um, he was a teacher on the course, I did the university course at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. And Phil played on Pell's album and got some students to come and do some gigs with Paul. And um one of them was at a huge festival called Tea in the Park. And I think they were playing to about eighty thousand people wow. that day. So that's that's the biggest I've done. Um and was that in Glasgow or Edinburgh or Um you know, I'm not actually too sure whereabouts that is exactly, but it's kinda of, it's not too far from Glasgow and Edinburgh. It's it's in a big field somewhere. <laughs>
0: Tell us about how you very
1: first came to play the fiddle. Um, well, well when, I, when I was very wee, I didn't used to speak. And um, I liked the idea that this fiddle could speak to me. And um, the, when they were choosing kids to learn the violin at school, um, the people choosing kind of thought, well, I don't know if it's for him because he's so quiet. Um, so the first time they heard me speak, I actually sang for them because I really wanted to play this thing. And um, I don't know why. I think I just wanted to make an impression, and they were kind of like, "Well, if he's going to sing, we'll let him do it." So, <laughs> so, um, so, so, so I got to do that, and that was like we had a kind of fifteen-minute lesson a week, and there was about eight of us, so it wasn't it wasn't the largest lesson in the world, and um, but it was great, very good. And you also studied at the Royal Conservatory as well. I went to the junior version of the. At royal conservatoire then i did the undergrad and then i did a master's degree um just because i didn't want to grow up and i wanted to stay, <laughs> stay in education as long as i could it's
0: as good a reason as any yeah
1: so um, yeah that's kind of my educational journey and then four years ago i graduated and had to start trying to navigate the real world
0: <laughs> and how's it been going you you make your living
1: with the fiddle i guess right um yeah so it was i was i was quite content i was um just happy that i could play the fiddle every day and that's kind of what my purpose in life was and then well corona came along and kind of scuppered lots of musicians kind of outlooks but things are slowly getting on the up
0: good so and while we're on on covid and the pandemic have you and your family been okay uh health-wise and otherwise managing it through this last 18 months or so
1: um, yeah, we, we've been very lucky. Um, so none of us have been been affected by it, thankfully. Um, just very lucky, though. Um, have you been okay as well yourself?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and like you and like many of us, we're just, you know, we, we will continue to be as vigilant as we need to be to, to get through it completely, but we're very ready to get to the other side of it, of course.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So... You, you probably haven't been doing a lot of live shows then because of COVID. Have you been doing any virtual performing or anything like that? Um,
1: so, well, the other thing that kind of happened alongside COVID was, I, well, for any people won't be able to see, but I have my hand is all taped up at the minute. So um, I sort of lost my ability to play about 18 months ago, kind of just around about when COVID came. And um, basically the muscles in my hand kind of disappeared. And um, I couldn't move my fingers and I've kind of been all over the place trying to get this fixed and trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And I've had diagnosis after diagnosis after diagnosis and nothing seemed to work. And then finally, it was decided that my hand wasn't getting enough blood to it and that's why the muscles kind of disappeared. And now if I tape it up in this very specific way, it's kind of working these muscles and building them back up and I can feel it slowly coming back So that's good. <laughs> that is very
0: good. Yeah, I'm very glad to hear that it's it, it's on the mend. It's it's recovering. And the timing, I guess you never wish these things, but the timing was quite good in terms of the the covid you wouldn't have been playing anyway and it gave you
1: some time to recover, I guess. Yeah, well it could, couldn't happened at a better time, really. Um the the only thing is like you look for a kind of solace through music in times like this and it's kind of when you don't have that you kind of don't right. know what to do. So right. that, that was that was the only thing. But like you said, it could be worse. I could have been away somewhere and then it happened and then Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well and I wish you a full recovery, obviously, so uh so that you can get back to doing you know what you love. Oh thank you. <laughs> Do you have uh any plans already on the calendar for uh for when you'll be performing next?
1: Um yes, so next year it's kinda looking quite busy, which is good. Um Hopefully it's all going to go ahead. Um, so I'm due to go to Germany um, in March for three weeks and then off to Switzerland after that. And then some bits and bobs throughout the UK and Ireland, then off to Sweden and then off to Germany again. And then in 2023, I'm really excited because I'm hoping to go to Canada and America, which has just been my like childhood dream, is to kind of play in the States. So.
0: Well, make sure that your agent, whoever it is, make sure yeah. that they put you on, put Phoenix in your agenda, because we would love to have you here in, in, uh, oh. in Arizona and, uh, and come see you. Oh, I would absolutely love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, when you talk about uh, the traditional music, and I can imagine, of course, it's popular at home and in the region, and in England included and all of that. Then you go to Germany and Sweden, and what kind of people... Are drawn? Do you, are, do you find a commonality of people that, that are drawn to your music? So, a Swedish person or a German that likes Scottish traditional music, how does that work? Or, or does it is it people who are just big music fans, or people who are anglophiles, or what's the what's the thought there?
1: Um, well, like I I'm I'm a big believer that the kind of the tune sort of transcends all these things because um, no matter where you go, the tune's the same. It's like this common denominator. And because um, they are relatively simple tunes and they are easily relatable, I think that it's no matter where you're from, it's quite it's quite easy to kind of catch on to the kind of the inbuilt emotion that are in these tunes and things. Um, so, like our our job as players is just to get out of the way of that and just let that happen, and then um, people seem to find it very quickly in the music. So. Yeah, as saying. you're
0: talking, I'm, I, I think, you know, the, the one example that comes to my head is I remember when Paul Simon, um, did an album many, many years ago, decades, in fact, and he, the album is with, um, I believe it's a South African band, uh, Lady Ladysmith Black Mombazo was their names. And of course... As a, a Caucasian American living in Arizona, I have nothing, no historical or cultural context to South African traditional music, but that music speaks to me too. I mean, and he, he presents them in a way, and I'm guessing actually I have goosebumps here talking about this, so I can relate to what you're, what you're saying about your music is that, you know, uh, it's universal, right? It, and it, music is one of the universal languages, and we, we can really appreciate it, maybe on slightly different levels if
1: you don't have the cultural perspective or something, but you can still really get a lot out of it. Yeah. And I'm um, like, cause I think a lot of music that doesn't have words can be particularly powerful, like that, too. Because, like, if, if you play a G, the note G in Scotland, that's still the note G in the States, that's still the note right. G in Sweden. So it kind of, it's like a, a language that speaks to everyone, really.
0: Absolutely. And that, you know, I've, I talk about this on this podcast a lot too. The reason, one of the reasons for doing this podcast is because we live in a world where we, you know, whether it's our football club, Jersey or an allegiance, or whether it's politics or whatever, we, we like to form teams and tribes, right. But we, we really are all people at the end of the day. And we have a lot more in common. And, and what you're talking about with music really is the essence of that. We, the G here, the G there. and, and, we can appreciate it the same, even if we don't speak the same language.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what life is about. It's about connecting with people and helping people. And, um, yeah, I think, I think music does that. It connects with people and it helps people. So it's kind of, it's a lovely thing to make those two things happen.
0: Apart from the fiddle, which really informs your whole life, your, your passion, your, your, your purpose, your career. Tell me what else do you do outside of the fiddle for fun for hobbies do you have anything else that do you get involved with
1: um <laughs> well, well that that's kind of that's kind of the problem when like cuz I've, I've invested my whole life just in this very narrow path of wanting to play the fiddle um, cause people listening might not believe this because I've, I've not really stopped talking, but, um, I don't speak an awful lot in day to day life and I'm kind of thought of as this very shy, quiet person. And it is really this fiddle just kind of breaks these barriers for me and lets me kind of get on with things. Okay. Um, so I, d- I don't do a lot other than play the fiddle really.
0: Okay. And how many fiddles do you own?
1: Well, how I got my fiddles, an interesting story. I just have the one, the one main one, really. Um, so when, when I was wee, um, my parents couldn't really afford to get a good fiddle for me. And because um, I was so young, it's kind of, should we spend a lot of money on this? Is it just a phase? Is it a lot? So um, my mum found one at a jumble sale, which is essentially it's like a yard sale that happens in a, a village hall. And um, it was £5, pounds, so she thought, well, that's, that's a safe enough bet, I'll buy that. So she bought this little three-quarter violin from this jumble sale. And um, then I went busking on that fiddle, and um, that's how I paid for the one I have just now. Um, so I have the one fiddle, but it's very, very sentimental, because I think of it as being this kind of £5 pound fiddle, and it's just, it's always been like a part of me, is a part of me. Um. Like the sound of it, I hear it more as my voice and when I hear back my speaking voice sort of thing, which is, so yeah, <laughs> just the one fiddle.
0: <laughs> wow. So, so you have the,
1: the, the five pounder is not the one you perform with though. You perform with the other one or. No. So, so, so the, the, the five pound one, that's only, that was just a small kind of three quarter sized. Fiddle. So wouldn't it
0: be too small for you as an adult now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, but that one led to you being able to raise the money through yes. uh, busking, street performing, and 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 procure the one that you play now.
1: Yes. Um, so, so I really should have told you about that when you asked about a performance thing that was like a big first for me. I used to go busking a lot, so I think I've kind of never been scared about playing for people just because I did it so much. Right. Um, so yeah, and I, would you do that but, in your hometown or in Glasgow or? Um, well, well, the village, village I'm from is very near Lochlomond, but not quite at it. So I would go like right into the heart of Lochlomond, and then um, <laughs> it sounds a little bit bad, but it'd be full of tourists, and um it kind of, <laughs> <laughs> I think it kind of made their day to see like a, a young Scottish child with like the tartan and playing the traditional fiddle tunes, and kind of. It was, it was it was a good place to go if you wanted to make some money busking.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Yeah,
1: well, I tell you, I absolutely would have been one of those that would have
0: uh, put some money in your hat or your case there, as well as probably oh. taken a photo, right? Because you oh. need this, <laughs> this traditional with your colors on and your and your fiddle it's it's, it's wonderful. In fact, I have a photo similar to that of um, that I took in Paris of a guy in a beret playing the the accordion on the street, and he was you know. Very much uh, knew his audience and got some euros out of me.
1: (laughs) Oh, great! (laughs) Um, Well, in that busking experience, an American couple did actually give me a dollar, Um, so I still have that, and I do think of it as that's my first dollar.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious! (laughs) That is hilarious. Do you have? um, You mentioned a couple of of key people: a professor and and, and and a musician. Um, a couple of musicians, I guess, that were maybe, uh, could we call them mentors for you a little bit uh, in your youth? Are there any other people that have had a big influence on your life?
1: Um, well, there's there's a fiddle player who's extremely famous, um, and I'm sure lots of listeners have heard of him in his band. It's a man called Martin Hayes, and his band is called The Gloaming. And um, oh. he's, he was a huge, well, was, is a huge influence on me. Um, Cause like when I was kind of growing up, but I mentioned that there wasn't kind of a regional style from round here, or kind of like there wasn't a this is how this music should be played sort of thing. And then um, the way I kind of started playing myself was kind of sort of reminiscent of some of the things Martin Hayes would do. And then a teacher of mine kind of said, "Hey, I think I think you'd really like listening to this guy." And um I did, it was kind of everything he did was kind of just like what I dreamed the violin might sound like or what a fiddle might sound like. So it's a very kind of, very lyrical kind of emotive quality and it like really goes to the heart of the tune and kind of like does everything that I kind of dream musical do. It kind of breaks down barriers and just speaks so clearly and purely and from the heart. Um, So kind of listening to Martin's music it's been a huge influence on me, and he's an Irish fiddle player. So my kind of dream in life is to be like a kind of a Scottish version of Martin with Scottish music. Oh, that's so, wonderful. Yeah. Well, I, I know you, you interviewed the fiddle player Ryan Young from the States from Traveled right. by Turtles. So I'd, I'd I'd love to do a fiddle duet with him one day. N- uh, not just because of the not just because of the name sharing thing, but also because I think he's incredible and um i'd love to play scottish music with this kind of rocky bluegrass american guy who's he's amazing
0: (laughs) That could be really cool that could be really cool yeah he was a great interview he had um
1: he had a lot of funny
0: stories about his music and and his musical history and he also had quite uh, he shared really quite some uh some sad news from 2020 he had a very very bad covid year and um but he sounded like, uh, you know, he was on the upswing and things were getting better. And, and I had a great conversation with with him. It was really enjoyable. So, yeah. And I do love the name Trampled by Turtles. That's such a great band, name, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <It's>
0: so good. <laughs> this has been, um, as every one of these podcast conversations are, has been fantastic. You know, it's two strangers, This, in this case, literally on other sides of the world coming together and and having a a lovely conversation. Um, and I, I can't wait to hear more of your music. I listened to a little bit, uh, in preparation for this. Can't wait to listen to more of it and to, uh, to share this with the, with our small, but, but growing podcast audience. So thank you very much for taking the time to do this, Ryan.
1: No, thank you very much, Ryan, for having me. I was delighted that you asked. So thank you very, very much. And that's our podcast for today. I want to close
0: off today's podcast with another piece of Ryan's music, but before I get to that, I want to give you some ways to reach out uh, and find more about him and more about his music on your own if you're interested. So his website is www.ryanyoung.scott. That's dot S C O T, and then his Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube all use the moniker Ryan Young Fiddle. All together, one word: Ryan Young Fiddle. So for Instagram, for example, it's instagram.com slash ryanyoungfiddle. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode as much as I have. I'm really glad to be kicking off season two with such a spectacular and interesting guest. And I really agree with Ryan, what he said about his music, the tunes and the melodies, being quite universal. As I have listened to more and more of his music, both in preparation for this interview, as well as since... I just am really drawn to it. I've always been drawn to the stringed instruments. Uh, I find them to be so strongly emotive and so powerful in the presence that they bring to music. And Ryan's playing is just spectacular. So I'm going to leave you with a piece called The mercus Rant, Mrs. Robertson Grishornish. Enjoy. <laughs>